Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans for fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Hello and welcome, Brewer fans, to another edition of the Brew Crew Review Podcast. This is Vince Travato being joined by my colleagues, Scott Bartell and Craig Mueller. How are you guys? Great. Hey, everybody. Good. Excellent. Well, we are uh, joined today by a very special guest. Uh, we are joined by author Chris Zantow. Chris, how are you this morning? Great. I'm happy to be on with you guys. Well, thank you for, for coming on and joining us here to talk some baseball in the middle of a what looks to be a blizzard across the country. Um, Chris, you are working on a book right now called Building the Brewers, Bud Selig and the Return of Major League Baseball to Milwaukee. Can you tell us a little bit more about your latest project? Um, yes. Uh, well, I, I'll tell you how, to, how it actually started, which is a little different than how most people probably start a book. I was uh, laid up with a meniscus tear and I, I had surgery. So it was in the winter and I'm thinking, you know, what am I going to do laying around? I'm going to catch up on, you know, like some baseball movies so and documentaries. So I'm watching the Seattle Pilots short flight into history documentary and I'd seen it before, but what kind of struck me at the end was that, you know, this is from like the, the pilot's viewpoint, obviously. And, you know, at the end, they kind of, you know, go through how the team moves to Milwaukee just, you know, a little bit. But it's from their perspective, you know, they're left without a team. And I'm thinking, you know, you know, what's out there for like, you know, brewer books or anything like that, uh, DVDs or, you know, that sort of thing hmm. about how the, how the brewers came to Milwaukee in the first place, you know, and, and so I'm playing around on the internet and, you know, finding articles and, and things like that, but there's nothing like really long links. And I started kicking around the idea to, to write the book about it. And kind of that's where, you know, that all, all started. That's, that's awesome. What year was that or how long ago was that? And how long have you been working on the book? Uh, that was February of 2015. So um, it's, going on about four years now, but, you know, getting close to being published. So that's, that's really exciting and, and interesting. Did you have the same focal point throughout this entire time? So as you're deciding what you're going to write about, you decide it's going to be something, you know, brewers related, but has the thought process changed into the content of the actual book itself? Um, actually, yes, it did, it did change. So that's a good question. I started out and I had this vision that I would kind of go through how baseball, you know, evolved through Milwaukee, through like the early teams in the 1800s, you know, the Borchardt Field Brewers, uh, the county stadium getting built, the Braves, and then the Braves leaving. And I thought that that would be, you know, the way to build up to the, to the point where we need a team. Let's get a team back. And, you know, how, how that all happened. But then I started working with a, a publisher that I'm not going to name, um, but they kind of steered me off in a different direction. You know, it's like, well, this book isn't going to sell unless you, you know, you put in stuff about the 82 brewers and you have to put in stuff about Miller Park being built. Right. And so I started writing that, didn't feel really good about it. Um, wound up with uh, McFarland and company publishers and they were very um, attentive to that original vision and they liked the first probably two thirds of the book hated this the latter to third um, because, it, you know, it turned into a lot of summarizing. You know, there's so many seasons and so many things that happen over the course of, you know, this team's history. It's like, well, it's, that's way out of, way out of the focus. And so then I, I dialed it back to, 
you know, the buildup to the, to the Braves leaving, um, everything that happened with the pilots and the brewers and the brewers coming to town and the move. And then not only that, the first few seasons until 78, you know, when they turned the corner and turned into a contender. And I thought that, um, that was a good place to leave off because, you know, there's plenty of stuff about the 82 team out there already. Right. Now, and that's, that was actually one of my follow-up questions. So you picked 78 because that's when the Brewers started getting good on the field again then, correct? Correct. Um, and they kind of leave off there when they're, when they're taking the, they're taking the field for the, for the 78 season. I do a little bit of an epilogue where, you know, it's kind of passed down from generation to generation where we are now and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, kind of focusing a bit on Miller Park, but not too much and, you know, a bit on the attendance you know, levels now are, you know, out of this world compared to, you know, when these, when these guys early on in the franchise were just, you know, going around the state trying to drum up support to even right. a million fans. Right. And 78 would have been uh, Larry Heisel and Sal Bando. That would have been a, a, I think Heisel was one of the first big brewers forays into free agency. If I remember correctly, I, I truth be told, I'm not old enough to have seen or remember that team. I, Craig is probably our only host that, that was there for most of that season. But um, <laughs> what what what, uh, what what made '78 special, and what made that made that '78 Brewers team good on the field? I think exactly what you said. It, all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of like kind of like what we're seeing now. It's all of a sudden, um, you know, these guys like Sal Bando. I'm going to play in Milwaukee. Um, I have a I have a quote in the book from. Bando that I, I dug up um, where he where he's going to leave Oakland and he's coming to Milwaukee and a reporter asked him you know like well why would you do that and he's like well was it you know because Oakland at that point is a sinking ship they're past their dynasty right. they're really falling apart yep. yeah and Bando says something like uh, well was it easy to leave the Titanic but but beyond that, beyond that, you know, like like Seelig and you know some of the other players that really courted the guy, and you know, and Heisel as well, and and and, and it's kind of like now it's it's key. This is a this is a great baseball town. Um, you know, we're we're trying to put together a winner. We're trying to get to the World Series, and you know, it's kind of that steamroll effect. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I would imagine that if you're a player going into that '78 season, you're looking at a team that has a very young shortstop in Robin Young, but a guy who is very talented and, and somebody whose talent is pretty evident um, around the league. Paul Molitor starts uh, his Brewers career in 1978, but um, him being a number one draft pick out of the University of Minnesota and, and making a name for himself in the minor leagues, I, I think that young guys, um, you know, being grouped together like we saw other groups of young players in Brewers history make that all the more appealing as a, as a destination for free agents, uh, guys who want to come to the Brewers. I, I completely agree. And, you know, the more research I did and the more looking at the, that early seventies period before they got really good, you, you start going through like some of these draft choices and, you know, you see the outs, the monitors, Sixto Lascano, uh, you, right. know, you know, and, and free agent signings and, you know, Charlie Moore's, you know, kind of kicking around and is he going to be any good? And Jim Gantner, you know, where do we play this guy? And that sort of thing. And that all just, you know, you know, as you guys know, just totally culminated in the 78 season. Right. And it even led to 82 with mostly the same core group of guys, it seems like. You know, we lost 
um, you know, a few guys like the Larry Sorensons of the world, but you were able to, to also have guys like Mike Caldwell who were there for a good chunk of that. Jim Slayton, who was traded and came back and was back for um, 82 after being used to acquire Ben Ogilvy. It seems like this, this core group of guys really remained intact for a number of seasons. And that's one thing that really struck me when looking back at those Brewers teams. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, mentioning like Jim Slayton, you know, and, and there's, you know, how baseball a lot of times will come full circle and, you know, Slayton's a guy that, and Gorman Thomas, you know, drafted by the Pilots, and then later That's on, right, they're, 69. they're playing yeah. against the Mariners, who's a, you know, expansion team that, you know, eventually filled the void in Seattle, but. So, so Chris, right. I got a question for you. Obviously, it sounds like your book, and uh, I've read kind of your outline, that it ends, uh, or it kind of, you know, the ending of your book brings you to the 1978 season, but. Um, a lot of Brewer fans, of course, are aware and our listeners that the Brewers organization was uh, started in 1970, brought here by uh, Bud Selig. That was our initial uh, season of the Milwaukee Brewers as a Major League Baseball organization. However, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers actually did exist prior to that, way prior to before the Milwaukee Braves even come to Milwaukee. Uh, can you tell our fans who may not even be aware of that, um, whether or not your book covers covers the actual beginning of the Milwaukee Brewers? prior to the Milwaukee Braves even coming to Milwaukee? I'm sure that, you know, that's a, that's a good question because the, I thought in my mind, you know, because there are Orchard Field books out there um, and there's some awareness of that. And, you know, definitely, I think, that, you know, there's a Orchard Field website. Um, I thought that for me, as I wrote it, you know, like, let's put this in proper context, you know, where did this, you know, where did baseball history, you know, go through in Milwaukee? And obviously it went through Orchard Field, but it went through a lot of other teams too. And the big thing that, you know, with C-League is, you know, obviously we've heard in interviews and maybe not everyone, you know, is aware of that, but he grew up pretty much going to Orchard Field games with his mom and that's where his love of baseball came right. about. And, you know, by the, by the, you know, and, Orchard was a great ballpark and they brought in lots of fans by the, by the forties, you know, it's, it's kind of getting revitalized a little bit, but a little bit run down at the same time. And, you know, it's, by then it's an old ballpark and, um, you know, the city starts making plans to build County stadium and, you know, see what grows up through all of that. And then a lot of that actually comes back when he does get the brewers to Milwaukee, they start doing, you know, all kinds of things to try to bring in fans. They do the, you know, they do the, the straight, kind of stuff like, well, let's go get civic leaders from different towns to come and we'll have a, you know, like a civic leader night or whatever. But then they do goofy things like, let's have a cow milking contest. You know, let's get Gene Brabender, <laughs> who's from Black Earth, Wisconsin, <laughs> That's right. the, first, the first Wisconsin-born Brewers player, and let's get him out there and milk a cow against the guy from the Angels. <laughs> you know? well, well, didn't, didn't Billy Martin, as manager of the Tigers, participate in an aviator night? Um, I've heard stories of that, uh, that yes. emotion as well. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was like they're trying to find this identity. You know, they're trying to not be the Braves, but then, they, you know, they're they're not really sure who they are. And so there's, they're doing minor league type promotions alongside these straight, normal bad night, you know, and, and helmet night. <laughs> with, sort of thing. With, with, with Hank Aaron playing in the outfield, no less, uh, for two of those seasons as well. I find that to be really funny too. Um, yeah. so, so, um, I guess just getting back to the book really quick. What, 
who have you talked to in terms of former players and, and have you talked to Bud Selig himself for this book? Was he helpful? And, and who have you found to be, you know, most helpful as you're, as you're constructing the narrative here? I really wish I did have the opportunity. Um, that did not work out. And that was, I think one of the reasons the first publisher that I was talking about, they ultimately decided to pass on me, you know, partly because, you know, I wasn't too keen on, you know, adding in all that stuff from later years. And then I also couldn't get, you know, what they wanted, you know, like a Bud Selig, that was a big name. Um, I, it wasn't for lack of trying and I did try different times, but that didn't work out. Um, I did hear though that he's, he has his own autobiography coming out, I think later this year. I don't know if you guys have heard it about is, that. Yeah. Yep, I did see that. In fact, I think that he's teaching a course on baseball and American culture at UW-Madison. Uh, and um, I don't know that that's still happening this semester, but I, I know he has been doing that um, since he's been commissioner. But um, I did see that about the his new book that's coming out sometime in 2019, I believe. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I think, you know, that's, that's fine. It didn't work out. Um, but, you know, but, definitely you start digging around and, you know, through old issues of the sporting news and, you know, all these other things. And, you know, there's tons of things about him. So, um, you know, and, and, obviously, you know in, in the research you have done, uh, Chris, and in your opinion, uh, would, would Milwaukee have a major league baseball team as of right now in 2019, 50 years later without uh, Bud Selig and his efforts back in the late 50s. I I don't think so. I mean, there was a you know the the group that started early on was you know Teams Inc. without Selig. You know, it was Ed Fitzgerald and Ben Barkin. I think were the you know the early ones in it, and then Selig joined, and then from there he really you know kind of took over, took the reins, and um, you know when he was just Bud Selig, the car dealer, um, you know, and he really he really pushed for it, and you know he's the guy that. You know, and, and the other guys went too, but, you know, he, he went and spoke in front of the owners, you know, they asked for a franchise and, you know, and that's where it really all started. Um, early on, I actually sent out, um, a lot of, I, they tracked down a lot of addresses off the guys that played in, in the original 70 team. And I sent out some questionnaires. I got some back. Um, not much of it, you know, and I hate to say that, but not much of it survived into the, the book, I used a lot of it to kind of, you know, build my own backstory in my head, my own kind of timeline and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I did turn a, some of those into into blogs for like my own website. I just, you know, posted them as interviews or a story about the player and little Q&A. So, they, you know, they, they still are out there. Um, I do think that the 70 team, you know, obviously being the first and, you know, some guys there that you know, definitely did some did some good or very interesting things that, you know, they, they should have some awareness. Um, I hope that you talked to Ray, I hope that you talked to Ray Peters. Um, yes, actually. Yeah. Quite a bit. Actually. We, we <laughs> actually emailed quite a guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's awesome guy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's a, he's a definitely, you know, he's a, he's a cup of coffee guy that, you know, really celebrates the time and, you know, and he has that link to the pilots, you know, being, being that's know, right with them in spring training and you know that sort of thing so you know i mean he's a he's quite the historian he, know, he knows a lot and, of stuff and very interesting um, guys like dave, dave baldwin i i was really struck yes. in researching a, a little bit about this myself about dave baldwin's uh 
post playing career. I don't know if you want to, you know, just take a, a few seconds to share a little bit more about a guy like Baldwin or who else that you found that has a really interesting backstory here. Um, Dave Baldwin's another person that, um, and I, and I haven't emailed him in quite a while. Um, he, he was great with answering my questions. He was very detailed. I do have a couple of his things that, that did make it into the, the into the final book. He, um, you know, obviously was there. He, uh, you know, with the, the early brewers and, and, uh, quite a good pitcher. And he was one of the ones that I thought his story was interesting because when the, you know, when the pilots drafted, they, they drafted for, older veteran guys and you know the Kansas City Royals drafted younger well when they get to Milwaukee Marvin Milk's the general manager starts flipping things around he wants you know and now we're going to get younger guys oh hey Dave Baldwin you're on the wrong side of 30 you know you're going to the minors and Ken Sanders another one you know that turns into a fantastic pitcher no you're too old but then you know injuries and other things happen and all of a sudden end of May they're both called up and they both pitch you know pretty lights out until, you know, Baldwin gets hurt later on. But, yeah, you, you, you know, you're right. His post-playing career, the guy is just super intelligent. He's he's done all kinds of things. He's, you know, he's written a book. I mean, I, I encourage any Brewer fan, you know, and it, it doesn't have a ton of it, but his his uh, memoir is fantastic, Sneak Jazz. That's right. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, he's, he's painted. He's got a painting in the Baseball Hall of Fame that he actually did himself, if I recall correctly. It's, it's kind of crazy. When, uh, Jim Lonberg, I think, went on to become a dentist. Yeah, I find that the personalities on those early uh, Brewers teams are, are really, um, really very interesting because, and, and maybe you can, you can speak to this, but, you know, at that time, guys didn't make enough money to be set for life. It wasn't like today where, you know, you can retire at the age of 35 and really literally never have to work another day in your life. I think at that time, not only did you have to continue to work after your, your playing career was done, but a lot of these guys even had to work in the off season just to make ends meet. Um, you know, guys like Bernie Smith who played on the pilots and the 1970 Brewers. Um, you know, there, there's some tragic stories for some of these guys that played in that era. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're, you're hundred percent correct. Um, one thing that Baldwin told me, um, is, you know, he and a group of guys, and I think it was mostly pitchers, they, they shared a, uh, you know, place in Hale's Corners. And, you know, he told me that after the 70 season was over, I think it, it, there were like 12 or 13 guys that lived in, you know, in and around Milwaukee. And, um, a lot of them didn't go home. And he said, well, you know, he joked and said, well, it wasn't because, you know, the taxes were better than, you know, or whatever. It was because we all went, we all went, we liked Milwaukee. We all went around and we got jobs because we had to. And, and that would be a city that knew them too, you know, so that's, that's fascinating. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I think actually that's probably the part I'm most interested about in your book is just like kind of how, you know, everything came to fruition, how close Milwaukee was to, I, I mean, I actually was born right when your, your book ends in 78 and I've never, uh, fortunately experienced, you know, not having a major league baseball team. Um, until I moved out here to Las Vegas. And so um, not knowing this feeling up until now where you just, you know, you don't have the, your home team to root for in, in Major League Baseball, it's kind of a devastating feeling. But um, to imagine that, you know, it's possible that, you know, without some of the stuff that happened in your book, that could have that could have been my whole childhood, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I, I kind of cover that from two standpoints. You know, the one is obviously, the you know, the brace leave. There's some people that, you know, like a C-Lig and some of the other guys that 
really push for the team that want a team. There's other people that are just so angry and, and so bitter that, you know, they don't, they don't care. It's, it's, that was it. We're done. And the other interesting thing is that same thing kind of happens in Seattle afterwards. And you see, they don't get a team, you know, for a while either, but early on, I, they are just as bitter, if not more bitter, you know, than, than, uh, it's, you know, some of the people didn't care at, you know, at all because the, you know, they're playing in a rickety ballpark and, you know, they, they didn't have the finances early on. So I just thought that was kind of interesting kind of parallel that happened there. That's really interesting, Chris, you know, because when you think back on it, the, the city really didn't get much of a chance to prove that they were a good baseball town, only having, you know, one year to, to come out to support the team in 1969 and having an ownership group that seemed kind of, at least from my perspective, unprepared to, to own a major league team. So it's really interesting. And I, I think there are some parallels in, uh, to what happened in Milwaukee with the Braves and maybe even what happened, what could have happened in Milwaukee in the mid nineties, which we're all old enough to remember. Um, if the Brewers would have left town. I, I think it became, you know, very close that the Brewers were going to end up in Charlotte or Portland or, you know, some other some other market if Miller Park wasn't built. Um, did you get that same sense uh, kind of looking at, at both situations in 1970 and then again in 1995 and, and all the way back to the Braves leaving Milwaukee? I did, actually. You know, I completely agree with you. It, it, it could have gone any number of ways. And, you know, and then at the same time, while while they're trying to get a franchise, they have a lot of uh, other teams that are maybe going to move or they're maybe going to fold. And um, one was the Washington Senators. They always seem to be kind of on the bubble. But, you know, Seelig went there, and I they made a few offers. But at the time, they just didn't want to move the – they weren't keen on moving the team. And, they, you know, obviously right. they weren't keen on moving Seattle either, but um, that's, that's how it played <laughs> out. <laughs> Well, you know, on a personal level, li- living in Washington, D.C. right now, I can tell you that a lot of I'm, I'm very glad that there's a major league team out here. But at the same time, it is kind of interesting because many of the fans I've noticed are not actual Washington fans. They're fans of other teams that like baseball and they go to watch, which is, you know, my case. I go to a lot of national games only because it's it's my only option out here. But, um, you know, of course, the first and only allegiance is to the Brewers. And I, I get that sense that a lot of D.C. fans still have that, that kind of – idea in the back of their their minds that baseball out here isn't necessarily permanent and obviously I think the Nationals are here to stay but I, I do think that there is still some resentment amongst older fans about losing not just one but two Senators teams uh, you know within the last 40 years uh, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon I've noticed out here in the last few years yeah I, I totally see that you know in researching the book I you know started seeing like there were those kind of fan bases that they just weren't that invested and then you had Milwaukee that you know they're super invested in the Braves I think the the fans personally I think the fans get kind of a bum rap that you know the the attendance went down I go into the you know there's a number of different factors for that you know the the Braves attendance dipped toward the end but you know those the new ownership group you know the ink's barely dry on the on the paperwork you know transferring the team over and we're going to move to Atlanta you know and obviously, you know, there's there's the beginning of the bitterness and, and the things that, you know, Seelig's group kind of really had to fight through. And and it wasn't just, you know, let's try to get a team, but we have to build the public relations back up here. You, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are upset. And, 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 and you kind of alluded to it earlier, but almost building their own brand then as well as the Milwaukee Brewers and not the Milwaukee Braves. Um, 
you know, you've got a little bit of continuity maybe in guys that they bring in um, to the organization, a guy like Bob Buecher, you know, who played for the Braves or bringing back Hank Aaron. Um, I think there were a couple other guys who played for both the Milwaukee Braves and the Milwaukee Brewers, Phil Roof and Felipe Alou briefly. But um, it, it seems like they really had to go out of their way to build their own brand in Milwaukee while also having a little continuity and a few things that maybe made fans remember what it was like to cheer on a world champion in 1957. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, there's a lot of that that those early years I, I think is very interesting, you know, the different things that, that happened. And, you know, leaving off in 78 where they're getting the, you know, the, the iconic bowling glove logo. And, it, and that, you know, to a lot of people is the, you know, the, the quintessential logo of the team. That's the identity of the team. And What's, and, your, you know, what's your favorite logo, Chris, out of all the uh, Brewers logos that we've had? You know, I really, I actually do like the one now. Um, I obviously love the ball and glove logo. Um, the, the 90s, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, I, I think if you, I think if you grew up with that, you know, but I look back on it now and it's like, yeah, that's 90s. I guess that is kind of what I, that is kind of when I grew up. So, um, I've got a weird affinity for it, but it's only because I was of a certain age during those years. I won't admit that really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a bad idea by someone in the marketing. That's for sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Chris, uh, one last quick quick question here before we switch over to our um, around the horn rapid nine. But uh, you know, you mentioned him before, and, and the the origination of Bernie Brewer himself, uh, Milt Mason, a seventy something year old man who. Takes it upon. I'm fascinated always by this story. Takes it upon himself to go climb up to the roof of a baseball stadium and sit there for what 40 some days or whatever it was. Did you have any success in tracking down a little more info on Milt Mason? Did you look for his family? I know that he passed away. I think not too long after his stunt. Uh, maybe maybe like within three or four years, if I remember correctly. But did you have any luck or try to to reach out to anybody that actually knew Milt? I, I wish that somebody would publish a short little bio just of him and his life. And, you know, even just 20 pages would be very interesting reading. I, I was kind of fascinated by him. Did you find anything on, on Milt Mason? I, I was fascinated by him too. I, I have to say that, that, that is just a very, very uh, funny story, but it, you know, I mean, it's heartwarming too, because, you know, the guy's older in life. He was a flagpole sitter in the 1920s, you know, and he, he'd done all these things. You know, he's older, retired, and he's Marvin Milk's buddy, so you know it's like you know, and and so there's a conspiracy theory out there that the Brewers put him up to this, right? I mean, they clearly let him do it, but you know, we yeah. have to do this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of like you know, it, it's like yeah, I'll go up. You know, that was what it kind of was. And I actually contacted, I was able to track down a a, a bat boy and a ball boy from the uh, 1970 team, and they were they were very uh, open about. Uh, being, you know, kids and hanging around Milt Mason and, and taking sandwiches up to him and, and stuff like that. And how right how absolutely <laughs> right he smelled after you know <laughs> you after a couple that, of months up there. <laughs> you mean that, that bathing in beer suds doesn't uh, cleanse the body. That's interesting. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, and and um you know and then the the one of them said though and you know and I um and that had to be something, you know, when he when he slides down the the rope at the end of the at the end of the promotion, you know, when they they get enough fans to bring him down, and you know the 
the one guy told me, he's like, there is no way they should have allowed that to happen. You know, and he came down with both turns. But, you know, he, he just loved it. And then I guess the next, you know, like the next spring training, he's he's hanging out with the team at spring training and, and you know, doing a little, I, I he kind of said he was like a, you know, security, but I don't, you know, I, he's just probably there as a figurehead, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Literally the first mascot. And, um, I, did he have a wife? I mean, did she was she allowed conjugal visits up in the chalet, or how, how did that work? I don't think so. I couldn't find any, you know, any real family that you know was connected to him. And um, you know, as you said earlier, he did, you know, he did pass away a, a few years later. But the, I think the really neat thing was it was right after they brought Bernie Brewer back. You know, and granted, it was a character then, but you know, so he he lived a he lived long enough for that character to become you know, the mascot of the team. That's great. That is a great story. I, I would be fascinated in uh, learning more about him going forward as well, but wanted to, to get a bit of a glimpse. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that. That was awesome. <laughs> and, yeah. and Chris, before we transition to um, our rapid nine segment, I'd like to ask you just on a personal level, um, when did you start following the Brewers? How did you become a fan? And, and, and tell us a little bit more about your personal story as well. Um, okay, I actually to kind of you know bring it as I said earlier you know baseball often brings stuff full circle. Um, this is kind of a coincidence, but I actually um, went to my first game in '78, so you know kind of in a way fitting that the book ends there. Um, my dad took me to to my first game. It was early in the year. It was cold. We sat in the mezzanine at County Stadium, and you know throws our whatever often but you know <laughs> you, you can actually and, swear on this podcast if you'd like it's, it's totally, <laughs> well <laughs> Craig, Craig is known for it actually we, we try to be a you know <laughs> but, yeah so yeah that was uh you know that was like my my you know and when I was younger I was kind of aware that you know like Henry Aaron was there but I you know I wasn't you know quite with it enough to you know really follow them and you know, probably in about 77 or so, I, you know, started paying more attention. But, um, yeah, and obviously I've uh, been a fan since and, you know, love the team, love the city and, uh, you know, live in Madison, but, you know, make some trips over in the summer to the ballpark and, you know, just have always enjoyed it. Do you I'd have also a, read you have that, a, that, oh, oh, sorry, go No, go ahead. I was going to say, I had also read in your, your little intro to your book and whatnot that, uh, you had actually attended uh, Game Three of the American League Championship Series with your father as well. Uh, can you tell us about that day? Yeah, if you're um, uh, ever going to celebrate a 14th birthday, <laughs> that's, 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 that's not a bad way to go. <laughs> that is um, awesome. Wow. Yeah, you know, and th- those were the days where you know I think it was a bit easier to you know even for playoffs to get tickets, you know, because they 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 go to Sears or wherever the Ticketron was and, you know, stand in line and get them. You didn't, you know, you didn't have people, you know, and then internet and people scalping stuff and, you know, and, and, you know, fans having ticket packages where they, you know, and where a lot of them are sold in advance. So um, he didn't tell me how he got them. I'm assuming that's what he did. He probably just went and stood in line somewhere, but um, that was, you know, obviously the, game where they had their backs to the wall, you know, and Don Sutton goes out and, and, you know, pitches and they, you know, they have a great day at the plate, you know, and they win and they turn the tide and, you know, next thing you know, they're in the World Series. That's great. Chris, this is, uh, 2019 is going to be the 50th season of Brewers baseball in Milwaukee. And 
you know, obviously there's some highlights like the 82 team and, and other playoff teams, but do you have a, a team that specifically stands out to you as your favorite, um, you know, over the years, maybe a, a team that made the playoffs, maybe a team that didn't? Um, I, you know, obviously, uh, 82 is, you know, special and, um, you know, the 78 team, I think because they, you know, they turned the tide and, and became a contender. I think that, and I don't know that, um, I'm the guy to write it, but I think that, you know, someone could really write a great book about the 78 to 82 team. I see there's a book about the 79 to 83 Orioles when the Orioles were, you know, like in that peak. Too. That's right. Right. So I think that's really, um, you know, really something that could be done. Uh, another team that, you know, throughout my research, you know, obviously the, I, to me now the 70 team is special to me because of all the things that happened, you know, and, you know, we, all the, uh, you know, all the players and Bernie Brewer being, you know, the guy that's hoisted onto the county stadium uh, scoreboard, you know, in that promotion. But the, another one is, the, I think the 73 team, because I think they, they could have been just a little bit better. You know, they just fell a little short of, you know, getting over the hump to get to 500 or better. But, you know, you kind of see that they had some potential and they, they put together a pretty decent winning streak. Um, you know, you've got, you know, some, some decent players there, really. That, and that was, was, I'm trying to remember, but was that a, a Del Crandall led uh, Brewers team? Was yeah. That, and, you know, and that was, that was yep. Crandall still. Yeah. George Scott is there. Um, you yep. know, they had that big mm-hmm. snowstorm to start the season. So it looks like, you know, they're going to have the typical Milwaukee spring where they start out, you know, really sluggish at home. And, but, you know, they really put it together in the, in the summer and it's another, another one of those years where, you know, they just kind of fall apart toward the end, but you know, they're, they're pretty interesting. You know, you've got, uh, 20 game, 20 game winner in Jim Colborn, um, first one in, you know, the franchise history and, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to reading your book when it comes out, Chris. Yeah. Uh, Same here, Chris. This is great. And, and, and since you have it going up until 1978, I think you left yourself open to possibly do a couple of follow-up books that you follow the, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, 1978, uh, and the roller coaster that the franchise has gone on since then and through its 50 years. And I think you're, you picked good timing as far as when you're going to be getting your book done here. As Vince pointed out, the Brewers 50th anniversary coming up, so it's pretty awesome. Okay, well, uh, we're going to move along uh, to our stepping up to the plate, nine innings of questions, and these are all going to be directed toward our special guest for today's podcast, and that's Kurt Zantow, um, author of an upcoming book. Uh, hopefully, uh, we're really excited here to check it out, so um, hopefully it get published sometime this, this year in 2019. Um, yeah, and, so, and actually on that really really quick, Craig, before we do that, uh, Chris, do you have a published uh, publishing date that's that set? And do you want to repeat the official title of your book? I know that the uh, title was just decided in the last couple of days. Um, it's Building the Brewers, uh, Bluff Sealing, and the Return of Baseball to Milwaukee. And the publisher is McFarland and Company. I don't have a release date yet, um, but I'm, as you said, it should be like 2019 there, you know, the next steps in the process are, you know, them getting, you know, like the, the pages set for me to review and, um, that sort of thing. And then they'll be working on a cover and, and all that. But, um, you know, I'll definitely let you guys know when, when I do have a release date. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. And we'll definitely put a plug for it back in our podcast at that time. We're very, very excited to read it. Thanks. 
All right, Vince, you're up with the first question here in the first inning, correct? All right, uh, Scott, if you want to have your intern play the music here. All right, there it is. All right, uh, Chris, first inning, who was your favorite baseball player growing up? Don Money. Um, I think because he was the, probably the first one that I was really fascinated with. And uh, like a lot of youngsters, they, you know, would stand in the batter's box and practice my Don Money swing and uh, my Don Money stance and everything. And I just I just like the, the, the way the guy, he just was kind of like that quiet workman in the background that, you know, kind of moved around the diamond and played different positions. But, you know, kind of like a Craig Council, a guy that, you know, fits in everywhere and just gets the job done. Yeah, and the guy who won a ton of gold gloves. And um, as a quick side note to your answer here, we actually had the opportunity to interview Don Money when he was the manager in AA Huntsville for the Brewers uh, minor league team. And um, he was a great guy. And uh, guys, what year was that that we were down there um, with him? I know we went down there a few times. Probably 2006, I guess. 2006 or seven, somewhere in there. So we, um, yeah. we can we can repost that video on our Twitter link. But the interview with Don Money was uh, was was very interesting and a great guy. All right, question two. Um, what was your favorite baseball memory growing up? Uh, game three of the 82 um, ALCS, just because, you know, as I mentioned before, the story about my dad taking me there and, and uh, you know, the way the team won and then that propelled them into the World Series, I think. All right, uh, third inning. Um, what is your favorite uh, piece of Brewer memorabilia that you own in your lifetime? Ooh, um, I do have uh, I do have uh, Don Money and George Bamberger's autographs. Um, I'll focus on Bamberger. Actually, when Bamberger had his heart attack, uh, they put a thing in the in the newspaper that you could write him at the hospital and wish him well and whatever. And, you know, I'm a little kid, so I'm thinking, oh, that'll be cool. Yeah, I'll write him and you know, wish him well and, you know, hopefully he'll get better and everything and come back and manage the team. Not expecting it, um, a few months later, you know, I think after he, he got back to managing and he probably caught up on some of that mail, I get this um, thank you in the in the mail with, uh, you know, the, the photo card of Bambi and uh, his autograph. So that I, that's I mean, awesome. that's, that's, wow. that, that that was wonderful. Right, that well. is really awesome. Wow. Um, all right, we're we're going through these pretty rapid here, but fourth inning. Um, what is your favorite Milwaukee Brewer memory that isn't playoff related? Ooh, not playoff related. Um, uh, after a long, long time, uh, I had never been to opening day. And obviously then my, you know, my dad hadn't been to opening day. He took me to all these games when I was a kid. Um, I finally got a ticket package and took him, um, it's gotta be 2007 or eight. I should remember this because it was opening day. Um, the year that Bench Keats <laughs> mowed down the Dodgers like crazy. 2007. Seven. We yes. With, uh, with these guys actually. We were all there against Jason Schmidt. Yes. That that yeah. was an incredible game, I thought. And you know, and he you know he starts out you know kind of I I always thought that was kind of kind of typical of Ben Sheets, you know, maybe a little rough to begin with, and then he just settled down and smoked them the rest of the way. And my dad was beside 
beside himself. And I thought that that's a fantastic, fantastic memory. You know what? You you probably were better off than uh, our our host here on the line, Scott, who I sat next to in the bleachers that day, who imbibed a couple of uh, Bernie Brewer's favorite beverages, I believe, that uh, that opening day. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a great game from what I remember. <laughs> uh, what is your um, favorite Major League Baseball stadium that you've been to? County Stadium. Um, even though by the time I was going, you know, and, and well, it, early on it wasn't so bad. You know, obviously, you know, you guys know, but you know, toward the end, it's it's getting kind of rickety. But sometimes I think those those places that you grow up in uh, that have that kind of character, you know, it's like your 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 place, your summer home, whatever you want to call it. You know, That's right? Yep. All right, I mean, not, really, not, knocking, really, not knocking Miller Park at all. I love Miller Park. <laughs> no, but, you know. no, it would never be feasible, but I always thought how cool would it be if the Brewers would have been able to just keep up County Stadium and play one series a year there and what a draw that would be. But um, obviously not, not feasible and you need the room for parking and all that stuff. But how cool would that have been to just host three games a year there or something would be awesome. But anyway. <laughs> All right, sixth inning. Uh, which current brewer um, is your favorite to root for? Boy, can I say the whole team? <laughs> no. Um, uh, boy, that's tough because you know there's just there's just so many that that uh, I like for different reasons. Um, I'm really big on you know I I think. Pitching, I hate her. Obviously, um, I, I I'm gonna go with Josh Hader. Very nice pick. Yeah. Um, very very good pick. Uh, obviously, a key component for us last year. All right. Um, seventh inning, Chris. In your opinion, who is most important for the future success of the Milwaukee Brewers? Manager Craig Council, GM David Stearns, or owner Mark Adonacio? You can only pick one. Ooh. <laughs> uh, um. Hmm. I'm going to have to go with David Stearns um, just because of the way he and, – and not to take away from Counselor Atmosio, but, you know, just the way he, he's built the team, the, you know, the real methodical approach, you know, stuff that, you know, he, he does and he studies and, and, you know, what he's built. Um, I think behind the scenes as much as, you know, what we – what we see, you know, in the front and what we see on the, on the, on the field. Great answer. For sure. Um, Eight innings, Scott. All right. Well, this one is definitely right up my alley. Uh, What is your favorite ballpark food and bonus question beverage? Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) I I was always a, I was always a humongous nachos guy, you know, ballpark nachos, the, the uh oh yeah uh, you know the one nacho stand and the last couple of years since you know they kind of revamped the food around there i can't get enough of those uh chicken tenders and cater tots <laughs> I mean, not, not you know not a not a typical ballpark food and i would say though on the other side if if i'm tailgating you know it's obviously got to be brats like a lot of people um Beverage, I'm not. I'm not fussy. <laughs> I don't have one that. I don't have one that really stands out. 
and, and full caveat to that question, our, our host, Scott Bartell, is considered to be an expert on uh, ballpark foods around baseball. He's visited, you know, nearly 20-some stadiums and has uh, definitely managed to, to pound down a few different uh, nachos, hot dogs, brats, sausages around the league. So um, he's got a special interest in asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, here's our final ninth inning question for Chris. Um, this is a tough one. Who is your favorite Brook Review host? Oh, wow. <laughs> have, you seen, have, you seen, have you seen? Also, have you seen our uh, our lost co-host Chad Collins? Who uh, uh, we can't seem. I don't know. We think he might have lost his cell phone. He hasn't been able to call in any of our podcasts. You know, he was an integral part of our um, of our crew. Um, Anyway, that was kind of a joke one. I, I, um, I won't have the answer to that. We all know it's Scott, so we don't want to humble ourselves. <laughs> it was great. Um, well, here's, that, here's the actual 19 question. Predict the year that the Milwaukee Brewers will win their first World Series. I'm going with this year. Um, so that stole my 10th inning question there, Craig. Jeez. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to the next show. There's no bonus. No. <laughs> It was a surprise, yeah. <laughs> great, great answer though, Chris. Uh, I, I like that. Do you think that we're done? Um, you, so, oh, sorry, twenty nineteen is your official answer for World Championship. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. I just after last year, um, you know, and and the way things are set up for this year, I really can't argue with it. I can't argue with the you know the David Stearns Craig Council approach. Um, I don't know. Really, that uh, you know, I, I was I was just telling telling my father-in-law this morning. It's like, boy, I just love to see him come out and just blow everyone else away and just run it, you know. So we don't have this late in season, you know, stress of wild card and that kind of <laughs> just run away with the division. <laughs> you know? My blood pressure did spike a few points in September for sure. Quite <laughs> about that. And this, this offseason, I've been reading a lot of online baseball material, and of course, it seems like the Cardinals have improved, and the Cubs not so much. But I have been hearing a lot of fans on forums on that saying that that they're really writing the Milwaukee Brewers off, and what we did last year as basically luck or whatever. And I am very much looking forward to them being pro wrong. And, and and I really I agree with Chris that we're very out much on the cusp of possibly. Um, being able to win a World Series, and I really you know, this window is open for Milwaukee Brewers. The rebuild's over, and I really think we have the right guys in place, all the way from the owner Mark Antonazio, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. David Stearns, and I really think Clay Council is going to be a manager of the Milwaukee Brewers for a long time, and he will be at the helm when we do win our first World Series and hoist that trophy. So, pretty exciting stuff. Yep. You know, okay, well then, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that, guys. And um, Chris, we will do one more question for the 10th inning here, um, just to throw it out there. Our anonymous source, Tom Carter, has mentioned that the Brewers are still going to be acquiring a second base. And uh, do you agree with our anonymous source, Tom Carter? Oh, I definitely agree with the anonymous source. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of you know a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys, you know, the two-year deals are obviously off the table. And that wasn't. I uh, I don't highly doubt that that was what David Stearns was going to go for anyway. Um, I don't know. Maybe the anonymous source has some information on it. You know, a couple of those prospects down in the minors that we're waiting on. Well, perhaps Kevin. Perhaps Kessie Hero is the answer um, for for our second base. You know, in a couple of months, I think he could be up. And if we don't acquire someone um, better than Corey Spangenberg, um, 
<laughs> I, I think that might be a route we go, but uh, I guess uh, before we wrap up today, we were going to talk a little bit. Might, might as well have Chris join in with us. We we're going to talk about a real recent acquisition that just happened within the past week, and the Brewers, of course, signed um, to a one-year contract for just over $18 million. Uh Catcher, formerly of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Yasmani Grandal. Um, what are I guess we'll go around the horn here and, and get everyone's thoughts on on that signing and how big it is. Um, maybe Chris, let's start with you. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's, uh, um, I was thinking this week when it happened, it's yet another David Stearns move, uh, much like the Yelich and Kane, where it's out of the blue, slap you alongside the face, and big. And I know the, the guy's probably not intentionally thinking, hey, I'm going to make a big flashy move, but, you know, shock everyone. But it, I think it's a credit to them that they – they kind of keep the lid on that stuff um, in a lot of cases. Um, and and I think, obviously, you know, impact uh, will be will be big. And, and that was one of the things that I think, you know, you, you kept seeing and hearing the last couple of years here. It's like catching. Can we, can we improve the catching? What do we have to do? And um, short of trading away a bunch of prospects, you know, this was, a, I think, a, a smart move. Yep, and I I totally agree. I'll chime in uh, really quick and just say I, I like it for a couple of reasons. Number one, Grandel is really good. Um, number two, um, you know, every time you can acquire a player of his caliber, you do it. If you're David Stearns and the Brewers, and and number three, I think it really isn't a, a huge amount of risk the Brewers have taken on, which is um, you know something that cannot be said for other teams around the league who've acquired catching this offseason. Guys like Wilson Ramos with the Mets and. And others are also very good, but the amount of risk that teams take on is, is big in a, in a position that has a lot of injuries. So I love the fact that, you know, we got them for um, next season and who knows what will happen after that. But the fact that we minimize our risk, I think, is, is really a big deal. And, I, and the fourth point about that really quick is that Manny Pena now um, is probably going to move to be the best backup catcher in the National League, which is also very exciting. Yeah. Scott, your thoughts on Grondo? Um I mean, it's obviously like per year you look at it and you're like, oh, one and I think it's it's just one year and then it's what eighteen and a quarter million or something like that, which you know is, is obviously a, a little bit high, but that's quite all right. I mean, like you said, you're this is a good indicator that the Brewers are going for it this year, so that's always a good thing. Yes, I, I love the move, and um, I know MLB tra- trade rumors. Uh, that website ranks like the top 50 free agents coming a year. And they actually had uh, for 2019, Yasmani Grandel as the sixth highest, um, you know, and the third highest position player just behind Harper and Machado. So to get that guy, the sixth best free agent this offseason at, at a position like catcher um, for a one-year deal would have been just unthought of just a couple months ago, in my opinion. So for the Brewers to pull that off, uh, that's awesome. Um, obviously it goes, uh, we, we have to mention that they do have to, since he was offered a qualifying, um, offer by the Dodgers, the Brewers do have to give up. I, I think it's going to end up being like a third round pick, um, and yep. next year's draft. So it, um, there's, it did cost us a little bit besides obviously the financial part of it. I just hope that, uh, my one concern, I guess, is that I hope that, uh, adding the $18 million payroll does not limit us. Uh, and acquiring a top end starting rotation piece at some point, if not during the offseason, at least at the trade deadline. 
along the lines of like a Madison Bumgarner or something like that that might become available via trade or uh, what or a Wade Miley or a Wade Miley trade. Uh yeah, yeah. That's that'd be a cheaper. Uh, uh yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I prefer we not go that route, but uh, if, yeah, whatever. So um, that's my one concern is uh, but but with that being said, our lineup is just stacked from top to bottom now, outside of obviously second base, but I think that'll be addressed. And uh, so yeah, definitely excited for this year. And I think we really have a you know playoff caliber lineup and hopefully a championship caliber lineup and. And our bullpen, obviously, is of that, that, that elk as well. So pretty exciting. Well, very good. Um, guys, this has uh, been good to talk baseball here on a very uh, wintry Sunday in January. And I um, really want to thank our, our guest, Chris Zantow, who's uh, book Building the Brewers, Bud Selig, and the Return of Major League Baseball to Milwaukee. Um, will be published at some point uh, at some point this year or, or soon. Um, we're all looking forward to reading it, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you guys for having me. And to answer your earlier question about who's my favorite host, I'm going to just go with all of you. This is, actually the, this is actually the first podcast that I've been invited on. Um, I, I did an interview uh, a while back, but it was before the, uh, you know, for a, for a website, but it was, you know, way back when the book was still kind of in the being ripped apart and put back together process. So this is great to talk about what it's actually going to be when it comes out. Thank you again for having me. So, so you're saying we'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely. You're saying this is the, the best podcast you've ever been on. <laughs> yes, it is, it is that as well. We did it, guys. We did it. First, we went a whammy in 20, uh, 2007 or eight, and now this. This is pretty exciting, guys. <laughs> awesome. We, we want to thank all. We want to thank all three of our listeners also for tuning in. Um, <laughs> no, well, so well, you'll have you'll have you'll have you'll have four with the next episode because my mom. There you go. For sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. That's good. And uh, we would like to remind uh, the fans that are listening out here to, to tune in uh, to our podcast. Um, you can access those currently on YouTube, but um, we'll be hopefully moving to a different format shortly. Follow us on Twitter at review one and uh, make sure to email us any questions at Podcast with an S at Gmail. Dot com. We'll try to get to some questions uh, on our podcast next week. All right. Well, also thanks again, Chris, for joining us. And I guess without further ado, we'll wrap it up. And once again, looking forward to 2019 Milwaukee Brewers season. And go Brewers. Go Brewers. Stay, cl- stay classy, Wisconsin.